Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes at TEDx? I know I have. I've watched so many TEDx videos over the course of my life. I'm fascinated by all the new ideas. As a true innovator and creative at heart, it's one thing that brings me so much joy is to watch different types of speakers on the TEDx stage. I'm bringing to you Barry Barton. She is the director of TEDx Asheville. And in this episode, we talk about everything from how she became the director of putting on this TEDx Asheville. She created this beautiful vision around community and making TEDx Asheville about even more than just ideas. She turned it into this synergistic beautiful atmosphere between the team, the volunteers, the speakers, previous year's speakers, and even the audience. And the way she built community around this event is very inspiring. So you'll hear that if you've ever wanted to know what happens behind the scenes once your application goes in. We'll be talking about that as well. And some tips on how you can become a standout speaker and get your application noticed. That's all in here as well. I encourage you to listen and engage in my conversation with the beautiful and inspiring Barry Barton. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Tell me a little bit of just the details around TEDx Asheville. Like, how long have you been doing it? What it is, just give me a little bit of facts on the TEDx Asheville. So I believe TEDx Asheville started in 2009, and it's gone through a a variety of different directors or organizers over the last 14 years, 15, something like that. And it's been held for different spaces in Asheville. It's had a youth version. There was salons. And most of the speakers were Asheville-based, which is very Asheville, uh, really speaks to what Asheville is is really about and has been about um, ever since I, you know, I grew up here. I was born and raised here. And we really do honor our community and the people in our community. So the last one was in 2019. And then, as everybody knows, we went, you know, this was (laughs) BC before COVID. (laughs) (laughs) And then we had a pause, of course. And by 2022, we were ready to launch again. And then we just took off and had a fabulous, absolutely fabulous event uh, in February of 2022. Okay, so let me clarify. Did you have an event? Were you part of it in 2019 with an event? Or there was actually no event that came to fruition? because there was. It was uh, at Wortham Center for Performing Arts. We had nine speakers. I was not on the leadership team. My role was simply, I was basically called the coach coordinator. And so we were helping to provide coaches for our speakers, which is something that TEDx encourages us to do. So that was my role in helping just working with the speakers. Okay. So then in 2022, what was your role in TEDx Asheville? So between 2019, after 2019, the former organizer departed. He said, I'm, I'm done. I put an application in. I was approved and gathered a team of folks together. And 
And I also knew that because we had had this break, and I think a lot of things had this kind of trans transformation from COVID to the to the new to the new world of of, of post COVID, if you could call it that. That there was a time of really looking at what is what is TEDx Asheville and what do we want it to be, and that was a really important question for me coming in as a brand new organizer. And I think most of the organizers had been led by men before me, not not exclusively. So I knew coming in as a woman, believing in a lot of things beyond TEDx Asheville, that my role was not just in creating an event. It was in creating something much larger than that event. And that's my past. That's what I have done when I was a dance educator in the high school, is it wasn't just getting the students to learn different pieces of choreography. It was creating a sense of community in the classroom where the students began to work together and to build things together. And then when I started a program called Story Choreography Projects, that too was all community-based, and the work and the inspiration and the all of the building blocks and all of the – it's like we're, we're coming from not just me, the leader, but from everyone. Mm. So we all had buy-in. We all had um, some level of investment in making sure it was going to work and be successful. Mm. And that's what I wanted for TEDx. Is – that why you decided to run with TEDx and become, you know, kind of the helm of leading TEDx into the future? No. In fact, I was, it was actually, <laughs> oh my gosh. It, when we first, there were three of us that we decided in January of 2021 to launch the next TEDx. And so it was the three of us, we were going to, you know, get this thing cooking and, you know, back on the rail tracks, um, railroad tracks. And there was one woman, her name is Emily Breedlove. Um, she's actually changed her last name at this point. But she's young and vivacious, and she's a dynamo leader. And that woman can organize anything in a, in a three-week period. And so in my thinking was, she's going to lead this. I'll have a role and this other person will have a role. And then about six weeks, we, oh, and then I agreed that I would be the one to put the application in. Whoever applies is the organizer. They don't want to talk to anybody else. And so the, we got approval. And then Emily says, oh, I'm moving to St. Louis. Oh, wow. And so there went half of my floor. And then the other person that I was working with, um, he and I just did not, we were not a good fit. And so he left. And so it was, I was really on my own and felt f very fearful, quite lost. And it was really through this synchronicity and magic that this woman, her name is Vanessa, showed up we are a we together are a dynamo team. Okay, so let me break this down a yeah. little bit because yes. 
Yeah. I'm fascinated on how visions begin and where they end up. Yeah. And so the vision did not, it began in a way that quickly changed. And once you realize you're at the helm, I mean, how did the vision change where the magic could start falling into place? Like, did you start to on your own be like, okay, you mentioned there was fear, but was there also a vision for you? And then the people showed up or like, what exactly happened next? Yeah, it was, it was, oh, oh my God, (laughs) I'm alone. (laughs) What the hell am I going to do? How am I going to do this? I need to find a, a partner. I need to find help. Vanessa Bell I mean, truly, it was just magical. She just, (laughs) I don't want to go into the whole story, but it was, we just connected. She called me or I called her and something, something connected us. And once I had her and then we got another woman as was on board, that was enough. And then it was kind of like I stepped into you know that the uh, the song, it's, it's a sixty song. These boots were made for walking. <laughs> of course, it has that. It ha- I I had that kind of uh, chutzpah where I went, okay, I'm in charge. We have a date. We've set a date for this. Let's hit the road, Barton. Let's get this going. It's like I, and a lot of people they use the term uh, "put on your big girl pants." It was really like put on your you know, big leadership hat. And then that was when I really sunk down into, I would really say into my heart because I realized at that point I'm leading this. And so what needs to happen at at many different levels? What needs to happen? And one of the things that really needed to happen is we needed to create a new relationship with Asheville community. There had been some things that hadn't gone well in the Asheville community with some of the former speakers and some of the former volunteers. So I knew I had to really um, upgrade, refine, uh, reinvent TEDx Asheville and change the brand and the perception of who we are and what we do. Changing perception is an interesting process. How did you go about or what was it like the behind the scenes in those think tanks trying to think like, we've got some work to do here to change what this looks like? What was that like? What were the ideas you had? What were you thinking about? So I think the very first one, and this one was from the get-go all the way to the final standing ovation, is that Everyone that we come and the team comes into contact with, whether it's the team, whether it's sponsors, um, applicants, our speakers, our volunteers, every single person is treated with utmost respect, is talked to in a very friendly and kind voice, that we respond to people's questions in a timely way. So it was really about that communication, the tone and the style of communication at, at, at all levels. So I've got a question here. I find that people think, well, that's just common sense, but I don't believe it's common sense at all. I believe that has to be part of a vision. Did you actually sit around a table and have conversations like, this is what this looks like to make sure that every single person was on board? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And how is that received around the table when you're just like, 
Because sometimes I think there can be pushback like, yeah, yeah, I know this. But I was like, no, there's a level that you can elevate to when you actually have conversations around what I like to call the containers you hold people mm-hmm. in. So what was that experience like? So I, I think I think the team <clears throat> the team understood where I was coming from and what what was needed to be changed because they had experienced TEDx prior. And so they were aware of sort of the some of the opinion around TEDx in Asheville. So they understood what we were dealing with. Um, and I think it was also about me modeling it. And I model that really well. Um, I've been, you know, told by many, many people that I have the, you know, the the patience of a sage. And I think maybe 23 years of working with high school kids will just, you know, you better be patient or you're going to be miserable. <laughs> so, um, but I that's the that's the beauty to me of working with human beings is we are we all bring you know, so much zany and uh, problematic and drama and all of that stuff to the, the the arena. But it's also what makes this work deeply satisfying mm. at the end of the day. Um, so I think it was it was also about me modeling it and then having to remind people. Oh, you know, this is, remember, we're going to be doing this even within the team. We have to do this with the team, you know, you know, in-house, not just out in the world. But we have to do it in-house as well. I actually find sometimes the people closest, the team closest are the ones that I have to remind myself the most because they're the ones that we're having the intimate conversations with over and over and over again. But it's like the integrity of every email, every conversation yeah. to going back and slowing things down to be yes. like, no, they matter too. Yes. Yeah. And it's hard because you're you're volunteering. You have other things going on. And this is what happens when we get busy, when we get rushed. Uh, we, you know, I, I remember many, many times getting ready to respond in an email. And I realized that I even forgot to put, dear Jen, mm. you know, it was just get get the answer. And I had to consciously, deliberately slow myself down, reread my email and perceive it from the receiver. Go, that's not going to feel it might not feel bad but let me redo this that's going to feel much much better it's going to sound much much better now i've built now i've built a bridge i've built a relationship it may not be anything it may not turn into anything but there's a lasting energy or a lasting es- essence that um i think we all get however we treat anybody out in the world Let's talk about bridges then. Mm-hmm. You have alluded to before you took the helm, there was ways it could be done different. I'm going to speak as though that in my head, I think there's probably tensions. And when you're building something based on a lot of volunteer hours, a lot of sponsorship, did you run into those in the community that were like, I don't want to be a part of this? And you had to build the bridge to be like, this will be different. Hmm. Not so much. I didn't get, I don't want to be a part of this. It was people coming in, having been a part of it, and seeing right away how different it was. 
and and then they could just sort of relax. Mm. Uh, so no, I didn't really get pushback. I didn't get pushback. Um, we could have used more help, but at the same time, it was having a smaller team uh, help me keep my eye on everything so that now I understand. It's like I had a view into every single room where this upcoming year, I'm not going to go into that room because we've got that room organized. We know the system. I don't have to venture in there anymore. We have a step-by-step -step plan. So I can just hand that over to somebody. Certainly, we'll talk and check in and see how things are going. Um, but yeah, it, it, at times, <laughs> I would call Melissa, I would call Vanessa, and I would look at her or see her at her house, and i go, this is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but then we would, you know, we would have that moment of of complaining, and then we would just get right back in it. There was something that was just motivating us, and that's when you when you when you're doing that, you know that there's um, inspiration mm -hmm. that something else is calling, other than you know how tired you are or how much work is on your plate. There's something else that keeps urging you forward. Tell me what this was like behind the scenes. And you're getting this team together. Mm -hmm. You're very conscious about how you guys are going to be working together and working with the community. What happens next? Like, what's the behind the scenes of TEDx really like when you're organizing this event? And how, I mean, is it a year-long process? Mm -hmm. Like, can you give me some cue clues here so people really understand when they see these videos on TV? Mm. <laughs> like it's a lot more than just a video on TV or one speaker. Yes. It's a lot more, I'm sure, that goes on behind the scenes. Definitely. So, yes, it, it, you, you, we're starting now, planning for March of 2024. So, yes, there's things that you began to put into place last time in 2022. We redid the website. So that in itself was a huge undertaking, but it was so necessary, so, so necessary. We're not doing that, of course, this year. So there's, it's interesting because we launched in July and then in August of, this was 2021, we had three Zoom, what we call red rug roundtables. And these are what we're calling salon, TEDx salons. They're small events. They're featuring just a couple of speakers. And we did three red rug roundtable Zoom. Um, it was an interview with two of the former speakers and each one of them. And then it was helping the attendees understand this is what you how you apply. This is what we're looking for. This is going to be the process of our application process. So it was really walking everyone through those steps. So they really understood if they were looking to apply, they could leave a, a red rug roundtable and go, okay, I get it. We did three of those. And so then that's that's over. That part is over. We move into September, the whole month of September or three weeks in September, applications are coming in. So we are beginning to call through those. So nothing else is going on at that point. It's just the application. From, from September through October, it was simply the selection committee looking at 
applications and then looking at videos and ranking them and then, you know, scaling it down to our top, you know, it was first like 179 we got applications and then we scaled it down to fewer than that and then the next round fewer than that and then we were down to 16 for the final um, round of application which was an interview and that was a conversation there were three three TEDx people on the Zoom and then our interviewee hmm. and interviewed and then the final selection of the nine was made so then that's over. The application part of this process is over. And then we're on to now taking the, the, the speakers from that point forward to the moment they step on the stage. Simultaneous, of course, we're getting sponsors at this point. We're doing marketing at this point. We are doing a MailChimp newsletter. So there's a lot of those kinds of things that are happening in the background as well. Um, but the speaker process was included. We did an orientation day. Everybody came together. We had variety of rehearsals along the way, a dress rehearsal. And then we, uh, we created a, an event called Pass the Mic. And Pass the Mic was, again, goes back to the importance to me of creating community. And when I say community, I mean, like, go back to the other TEDx speakers that have been on the stage and say, hey, you know, we, we miss you. We want you to be a part of today as well. Come to pass the mic and help be a part of, of transferring up the microphone or the red rug to our new speakers. It's a rite of passage. And um, we honored our new speakers. We had former speakers speak. And then we did. We had a little ritual where a former speaker handed a new speaker a microphone. <laughs> and, uh, and, and each of those folks got to do, you know, share just a little bit with the audience. It was a lovely, lovely event. It was a month before the event. Perfect timing because it, it's like it created sizzle for the whole community and for the speakers. They felt like they had, the community had their back. That is so interesting. Okay, so I've got to break this down and go back and yeah. then we can fast forward. Yeah. Let's go back. How? Okay, so you said in around September – you're picking up applications. You had around 179, I think. 179 or 149, something, something like that. Like, yeah. Okay. So quite a few. Are these applications coming in from all over yes, the place? they are. Because what I find fascinating is I know of a lot of people that have been on TED stages, TEDx stages. I know people trying to get on TEDx stages. And it's always fascinating to see like somebody from California speaking in Ohio and somebody from New York is speaking in California. And it's just like, how is this working behind the scenes as – the behind the scenes of TEDx Asheville, do you get to choose like how far the range and what yes. you're looking for in applications? What's that like? Yes. So what I did is I gathered, again, creating community. It was not just me or it was not just the team making this decision. In fact, there were very few people on the team making this decision. I got 16 community members from uh, UNCA students, 
all the way up to a retired speaking coach, 70-something years old, and everything in between. Um, A very, very diverse group of 16 wonderful um, uh, selection committee. So what they did is we divided. So first of all, we, we, we called out anyone that was beyond a four-hour driving from Asheville. That was first criteria. So that got rid of quite a few. Let me ask why. What was the thoughts behind it when you were talking within that group? What were they think? What were you guys thinking? So we, we wanted to have in-person rehearsals. We wanted to have the pass the mic. We knew a month before. And we didn't want someone from California having to fly in for pass the mic or not be there. Because again, the, the building connection with the team from orientation day forward was again a, a very central component to what what we were doing uh, to create relationships to create support um, to be each other's um, uh, mentor or feedback person and that's what happened from orientation to performance they had each other's back it was amazing how close they got and you can feel that in a group, and you can feel that in an audience. There's um, it, there's nothing wrong with having you know all these different dispersed people from everywhere. They come in, they do their their talk, and then they're done. But again, for me, it was this went this went way beyond just um, February twenty seventh. My eye was on what is the experience on a day-to-day basis? What is the experience for my team? What is the experience for the volunteers? We brought the, the volunteers together before and got on Zoom with them, had conversations, let them share who they were. And as we were departing the Zoom, one of the women said, she said, you know, I feel so much better about this because I feel like I know who I'm coming in to work with tomorrow or next weekend. And that volunteer team, they were awesome. They were great. So that's that's why we we said four-hour drive because we knew we needed them to show up in person more often than not. And it would be too much of a hardship. So that was criteria number one. Then the selection committee, we divided up um, the, the, the the applications and gave like to four, a group of four, they got a selection, another group of four, they got a selection. And we created this, this criteria. Each of the selection committee had their criteria and they ranked each of the speakers. And then we called those, those ranks together and then... Again, there we got, got the top, I think it was the top 30, round one. Round two, those folks had to deliver a one-minute video. They sent those in. Those went out to the selection committee. They watched. Again, they had different questions and ranked the, the videos. And then we pulled, you know, the, the, highest, the highest scores. And I think we had 16 left. And then that was it. That was the end of the selection committee. At that point, it was between me and uh, Stephanie uh, Swepson Twitty, who is on the team, and a um, 
writer, speaker, former TEDx um, performer in Asheville and a poet, the three of us watched, listened, interviewed these, these 16 people. But we were also looking for the alchemy of the nine speakers. So we had a speaker that we really, really liked. But when we put him with the other ones that we knew we wanted, it's like it was like an overlap or it didn't mm. quite fit the the gestalt of the whole nine. There was something about the final nine that we chose that it there was an art one, there was a human one, there was a um, a one actually that the theme was building bridges, opening doors, and hers was actually about bridges, overpasses for animals that's going across I forty on the Tennessee-North Carolina line. So it was hers was actually a bridge. Which I remember, and I told so many people about that yes. because I'm a huge animal lover. And I was like, this? Yes. Does everyone know about these? Yes, yeah. yes. I remember hers very well. So that one was very concrete, you know? <laughs> Literally, It wasn't yes. abstract. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we we had all kinds of things that tapped into different qualities of the speaker, different topics, and different sensations and uh, sort of channels into the human dimension. So it, the nine that we ended up with was truly, to me, the the perfect, I'm going to use another metaphor, the perfect mosaic mm. for TEDx Asheville. And that's what we're looking for. So you may be a great speaker, you may have fit the theme for us, but because we've got Sarah or or Trey or somebody else that's doing something similar, we you may not be chosen. Mm-hmm. And that's hard for people to understand, but that's it's and that that's a kind of thing I have to go with instinct and intuition. Um, and a little bit of my artistry, my art background. Mm-hmm. And it's I mean, you're looking from what I'm hearing from you is conceptually, you just really look for synergy, yes, in every level of this. It's yes. like looking for the synergy, what fits, what doesn't, taking it out, looking at it again, every yes. step of the way, looking for synergy around the theme, around the whole team with like your team within the nine, with you know, the community. It's just fascinating how on every single level this yep. has been about something bigger because even when you were talking about, you know, we it was four hours and you're talking about past the mic and you explained about the team but even past the mic is building community yes. from one year to the next so Correct. if you're bringing in outsiders from really far away the likelihood of them being available for something like that isn't there right so it's just like the way you built this barry i just want to give you huge kudos and talking to you because i went there and that's where we actually met which right. you can tell that story too it's like so fascinating it's yeah. like I love it so much is to see a vision and who you are come through this yeah. uh, on so many levels. Yeah, and even the at the during the event itself, one of the sponsors came up to me and he said, "Your team has everything taken care of." He said it feels so good out here in the lobby. And it was like, "Yep. It happened with the sponsors too." Everything was covered. We checked everything off the list. So everybody felt taken care of. Everybody felt safe. 
Everybody felt seen. Everybody felt heard. And, you know, as much as we can do that in our communities, I think we'll be better, stronger communities for sure. Mm. So even it, it just even went through that, through the sponsor system as well. Mm. That was awesome. That was really, really awesome. Really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I want to allude to that even more because I have something else from what I experienced that I'll bring up, but I want to go back to this application process. And besides all the synergies, was there something where there was certain speakers that just hit it every time? Like there was, like if you were to talk to somebody that's applying for TEDx, would you be like, this is what makes somebody stand out? Is there anything like that that you have advice about? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say the... Well, every TEDx has a different application process. So if they have a written application as part of it, make sure your message, your core message or your big idea is as clear and as um, organized as you can possibly get it. Like really get it down to its most essential message. We had a lot of very elusive and abstract big ideas. And so it never landed for anyone. It's like, what what, is, what are they talking about? Once you get what are they talking about, that's it. You're gone. Mm. So get that big idea very, very clear. Get the language around that big idea very clear. If there's a video, speak to the people that are going to be watching you. Mm. Don't just deliver your, your great idea Speak to the people that you know are going to turn on your video, like they're in the room with you. And those would be those would be the two things that I would would suggest for people. And I and I also speak to to one other thing. We had one speaker who I could tell I, I loved her her application. I loved her one minute video, but when we got into the interview, I could tell that she was having a hard time transferring what she did into language. There was something about her idea. It was something about what she did share that I thought to myself, I'm willing to work with her to help her find her words Mm. because I feel like her idea is a really powerful one. And man, when she got up on that stage, she had found her words. She had found her place and she knew what she did. She always knew what she did, but she could name it and claim it on that stage. Her transformation was phenomenal. That's powerful. It was. Yeah. So let's talk about this transformation. You're even talking about in the application, you have to be so crystal clear on what your one idea is and be able to articulate it to get to the point where you could be accepted as a TEDx. But I am guessing that even once you get accepted, like a lot of behind the scenes is taking that message and even making it more crystal clear behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your eyes just got Mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, tell me about this then. Yeah, how? what was that process like with working with them, the speakers? So I was fortunate I got to work with a a lot of the, the, the speakers um, we had we had two other coaches that were on board with us, but they came in a little bit later in the process. So I 
have this process where I, I call it spelunking. And it's kind of what you and I are doing right now, where I ask a qu- where we're sitting, of course, like at a whiteboard, and I will ask them a question or, or just tell me about your idea. And as they're sharing their idea, I start writing things down on the whiteboard. And then I'll stop them and then I'll say, well, let's, I have a question about this. And then, so then they go into that a little bit deeper. And then that leads us to something else that they discover as they are speaking. There's so many of us, me included, that I can be speaking to a friend or to a loved one. And all of a sudden, the wisdom just bubbles up and I go, that just came out of my mouth. I didn't plan it. It wasn't there. And now it's there. And it is so true. And that's what happens in that spelunking process. The other thing that happens in that process is that the speakers take their ideas and they're now on a whiteboard. They're made visible so that they can go, oh, yeah, that's that oh no, that goes over there and this goes over here, they can begin to manipulate it. It's when any artist keeps all of those ideas, like big, you know, a big box of puzzle pieces inside of their head and doesn't have a method to splat them out. And that's what that's what we did together. Well then then they could go off and then they, you know, took took it on their own for a while. And is it like a process you spelunk and then they come back and you might spelunk again and keep coming back and refining? Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something that I'm curious to go spelunking even further with you, Barry, is rituals. Yes. And it made me curious because I was wondering where were the rituals or like, Mm -hmm. are you a firm believer in rituals? When you said that word, it just sparked something in me because I believe rituals, there's something that it does to people. Yeah. Like I think rituals somehow sets a stage, sets an intention, and it brings people together. So I'm curious on your view and how you weave that in. If you did, yes. If, am I landing on something here? Yes, 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 <laughs> okay. yes. Yeah. And I would say for me, ritual is where individually we tap into a deep space, but then we also share it collectively. And so there's a individual experience that I can carry out about myself, but then there's this collective experience, this glue that gives more power to my individual experience. And they they kind of go back and forth, that one goes with the other. So I'll give you an example of one of the rituals or that you would call it a um, at orientation, we'd done a, a number of things together, and I gave them a piece of paper with a big round circle on it. it and I, you know, it was red. It was a red circle. And I said, I want you to, and I, there was a number of steps in this, but basically probably the most powerful was, who do you want to be in that, on that red rug with you, living and not living? And they wrote down these people. And then they shared. And in fact, even the first orientation day, one of the women wrote down the whole group. She said, I feel so connected with you, all of you already today that I want you on my rug. 
it gives me goosebumps just telling yeah, you Yeah, it, it makes my eyes like yeah. tear up. I can feel it. Yeah. So I'm like, yes, you're taking, you're like dropping us in. Yeah. And so, then, uh, well, oh, okay. Then there's a, the second part of that. So then it's the day of the event where the rug is on the, on the stage. The letters TEDx are set up. The group, all the speakers come out and we stand in a circle around the red rug. And I said, who else? I want you to bring to mind who you want to be with you on that. Who else is going to be in that space with you that you didn't include before, but now you now you know they, they need to be there with you. And so each person called out that new person. And I mean, the energy of that was so, so powerful. Mm. It's really, really powerful. Who would you bring in your circle? Um, it, well, it's very interesting because I just realized a couple of, about two weeks ago, I finished doing a training and I was telling my husband about it. And I'm describing how I was, because I, I felt nervous at first. But I said, as soon as people started walking in, I started talking to them and um, joking with them. And I all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, I never realized I carry my father into my trainings. He is with me. I never, ever clarified that in my mind before. But now looking back, he is there because he was such a gregarious man, not fakey gregarious. It was like real, real. He cared so much for people. And that comes out of me. So it would be my father, and then it would be my grandmother, because my grandmother, maternal grandmother, she would walk in a room, and she would command attention. That's not me. That's not me at all. Yeah, really. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm not a front row kind of sitter. I walk into an event, I'm going to sit in the back seat. That's what you say. Yes. We, I have a differing opinion. If you do, didn't see on the mic, Barry sitting across from me, and I made facial expressions like she was crazy to just there. I was like, what? <laughs> but I didn't vocalize it because I see Barry as somebody that lights up a room and draws people towards her. So huh. it's always interesting because Barry always shares behind the scenes to me that she's the one that sits in the back yeah, and yes. supports others. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got your own you stage. Might wanna, you might want to re- <laughs> rethink that part. Yes. Where I want to go next is actually when they got on stage to perform it was fascinating i was in attendance so i had just moved to this community basically didn't know a soul and i signed up my partner my executive assistant found it and was like jen this is right up your alley go to tedx and she actually got me your email address and i reached out like hey i'd love to meet you you're doing great things here didn't know you at all and i went to this tedx and i think i was just fascinated to see from the moment you walked in i can't remember if they handed a sheet of paper to me or something but it was like oh the audience is going to be involved yep and i was like okay what I didn't expect that, and it surprised me because I've been to another TEDx and it wasn't like that. What was that like for planning the actual event and how you were going to weave this synergy even into the people that were in the stands? And I didn't even know any of the speakers, right? I'm just completely an outsider to Asheville at this point, a little bit, but I've moved here. Yeah, so because we were working at gluing people together, the team, the speakers, the volunteers, 
if, if we hadn't done it with the audience, we would have left a, a huge component of the theme out. It would have been incomplete. And so there was a friend of mine, his name is Michael Chasten Dietrich. He is a coach, a business coach, and he had either attended a TEDx or was part of something to do with the TEDx, and I want to say it was Midwest, that did a full day, and then they had they had breakout rooms as well, where the audience would get up and go into smaller rooms. But there was engagement. We didn't want to do that. So we met with Michael and then Amy Clymer, who is also, she's a... Um, a facilitator, creative facilitator, her company, um, Climber Consulting. She's done a lot of facilitation. And so we kind of just worked out how can we make this smooth, um, get the audience to connect with each other. And so I think it was after three speakers, we had in the program three questions. And so then Amy would come out and say, you know, look at your program, choose one of those questions and take a moment and write, you get 60 seconds, write some notes down, turn to a partner close to you and share what you wrote. And then she would give them a couple of minutes. And then there was an invitation for some of them for the audience to come up to a microphone and share something with the entire audience. And I think we organized it pretty well. We didn't want it to get bogged down. Because that that will make the day feel forever, but that was something that people really loved. Again, we did not want it to just simply be, come, buy your ticket, sit down, clap, clap, clap. Next speaker, clap, clap, clap. Get up, goodbye, out. Mm-hmm. Glue, mm-hmm. community, connection. Yeah. It was really beautiful to yeah. be witnessing that. And the other thing, and maybe this is common, I just remember there was one speaker that got up, gave his entire speech, and there must have been a technological issue slightly. There was something off, and you guys came back and were like, we're going to have him redo this whole speech because this is all about them also. Yes. Like really being seen in their full power. And I thought that was exceptional to see that you guys are like, we think there might have just been enough here or like... It wasn't 100% where we know we could take it. I found that fascinating yes. like, the, to really allow those speakers to be seen at that level. So at the really, TEDx is really about the video. Mm-hmm. That's the main focus is get a good video. And I didn't know that going in. The um, Brett McCall, who was the uh, one of the organizers, many years ago, five years, six years ago, he came to dress rehearsal. And he said to everybody, if your microphone malfunctions, we're going to start over because that video has to be absolutely perfect. So that was different for me. That was really different. So yes, that is the the purpose is to get that really good video so it goes up on the 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 YouTube and and TEDx site and and then they get millions of views on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How has TEDx changed some of the speakers that even went last year? Have you heard back from them? How did it change things for them? Big ways, very big ways. Um, I will just mention uh, one for sure. Her name is Maisha Claiborne, and when she came, 
loved her, loved her video, loved her idea. And so she's developing her speech and I'm looking over her speech and I said, Maisha, you're not in this speech. I, I don't get a sense of you in here at all. She's a doctor. She's a, you know, a real smart lady. And so she was delivering content around her idea, but there was no Maisha in that speech. And so we worked a lot in weaving her in. And we talked a couple, maybe a month ago, and she said, you know, Barry, that was a turning point for me. She said, going forward in my um, videos, in my workshops, in my speaking, now I am there. I include myself. So that, that was a very poignant and powerful transformation for her. That's really big for a person to go from just their work being their smokescreen yes. to them and their work. There's a deep level of fulfillment. Yes. So I'm really happy to hear that. Yes. That yeah. there's that transformation. Yeah. Yes. Um, who else gave you feedback on how it went? Did you hear from others about the event? Mm -hmm. Would you like to share any of those stories? I think overall... What I kept hearing, in fact, one of the, this was during the volunteer Zoom meeting, and I didn't really know this person, she knew me, but she said, you know, Barry, something like, you have, you have really changed TEDx, and, and, and I can feel it in the things that you write, the things that you post. It's really evident that TEDx is a very different, and this is, we hadn't even had the event yet, and she says this uh, in the volunteer meeting, uh, and it, it just like blew my mind, like, yes! <laughs> and I, I think one of the things I, I really want to mention here is that for me, when I started, when I knew, when I put my big girl pants on and my boots made for walking, I in my mind, really declared, these are the things that I am going, this is my vision for TEDx. Like I set a clear intention and vision for TEDx. And so every step along the way, all I had to do was, you know, if I'm like looking down at the pathway, all I had to do was pick my eyes up and go, right, that's where I'm going. And therefore, that's how I need to be and act in this moment, so I create that. And I, I must say, that journey for me was very powerful. I didn't realize how powerful I could be. Hmm. I've been in the art world for a very long time, and as artists, we, we play around with ideas. We experiment with ideas. We might have a vision or an idea of something, but we allow the creative force to take us to places that we didn't maybe know we were going. This was really different for me to set a clear vision and walk it with diligence and deliberate intention all the way down. And it worked. Hmm. It really worked. In fact, there was a woman that called me from Georgia, and she said, I came up to Asheville to see TEDx because a friend of mine was involved in it, 
And she said, I want to know what you did. How did you create such a great event? She said, because I could feel it. And we talked about an hour on the, on, the, on the phone because she was now part of a TEDx organization. Hearing from her, picking, her picking up the phone and saying, I want to talk to you. I want to know, what did you do? How did you do this? It was very inspiring. And, and then the last is that the, there were two or three of the speakers that just said, I wish that, what was it? One of the, one of the speakers said, corporate America needs to have this kind of system. <laughs> you know? I agree. Yeah. Yes. Um, and what was the system they were alluding to? Community, connection, um, having buy-in from with everyone, having a, an, an individual purpose, but also a collective purpose, having an I, but also a we, mm. all at the same time. Yeah. This is just magic in my mind. I think it's, we're all weaved together, mm-hmm. right? But when we set intentionality around the weavings, that's when I think true magic happens. Yes. And I mean, we can see the, and we don't have to, I, we could probably have a whole nother podcast on socially. We can see all the silos that are going on yes, yes. and allowing this to be something so powerful because this is who you are. Is like yes. You're really great at synergy yes. among groups and you, intentionality and in what you're involved in the community and to use it on this platform. Yeah. It's just like your full creative and collaborative abilities as Barry. Yes. It's just really beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was a perfect combination of, of really everything that I have experienced, learned, practiced, and believe in. Oh, I love it. You've got another event coming up next March, and you've got an event coming up in a little bit that I'm going to talk about in June. But my first question is, when you think back on the event you put on in 2022, what are you letting go of? What do you feel you could do different? Like, what is there that's going to be, yeah, we did an okay job, we could do better. Like, where did you learn? Well, I think there was a lot of, like, little detail things that we want to streamline to lighten up our load so that we're not so burdened. We also want to, you know, again, this is in the in the working, more of the working part. So Vanessa and I were like 100% in, completely, where some of the other volunteers would kind of come in and be, out, be gone. And it was just the two of us were 100% both feet in. We need three more people like me and Vanessa, or at least two more people. We need full in... We need eight feet <laughs> on the TEDx team, you know, <laughs> with boots on, you know, um, and their panties out <laughs> and, their, and their big girl pants on <laughs> or boy or pants or whatever. Um, that's what we really, really are looking for. And I think it'll be a lot easier because we created a step-by-step process for m- many of the things that we're, what we do after TEDx was over. Vanessa and I sat down and we broke down everything, every part of TEDx. And so we have a step-by-step, you know, spreadsheet. So it won't be too hard. We won't have to create the re- recreate the wheel. My tendency is to keep it simple and make sure it's successful. So I had people come to me during the planning of 2022 and they said, oh, we could do a off-site thing and we could do a a big TV, blah, 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 and, a, you know, all of these really great big ideas. But I said, no, we're going to keep it simple and manageable 
because this, these are the only resources we have. We're just a couple of people with some money. And so I kept it very, very simple, And but it was successful. It was manageable, it was doable, and it worked. I want to I want to stretch just a little bit, and I want to stretch too far, but I'd want to stretch just a little bit. What would be one spark that we could add to an event or the process or in the community? Now, this uh, upcoming Red Rug Roundtable, a TEDx salon, that's a little bit of a spark. This is a new thing for us. Um, Brett did salons way back when but this is um so this is this is a new this is a new fresh feeling and it, and I think it's going to be a great way to uh, launch uh, the the whole uh, reopen TEDx Asheville for the community so tell me about it what's going on at the round table so this is we're going to we're we've invited six of our former speakers from 2012 to 2022 and they're coming we're going to have hors d'oeuvres and drinks and beverages for folks to, to network and mingle and talk to each other. And then we're going to have the six speakers in a, on a panel where we'll do some Q&A at that point. And then we're going to, again, part of the in, engagement of the audience, we are going to, each speaker will take 10 people from the audience and circle up some chairs Around a small red rug, <laughs> we ordered six red rugs, and I am going to give each of the facilitators the same prompt to then begin a conversation with the group. And I don't want to share what that prompt is because there's something special about that prompt. Ooh, <laughs> a little spark of enticement yes, here. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> after we've had these uh, smaller roundtable conversations, the audience will come back, and then we're gonna get we're gonna hear some of the ideas that were shared, and then put them up on a whiteboard and collect them for future use. Mm, yeah. So cool. Like a big version of spelunking. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I yes. I love that. Yes, yes. I'm so glad that I got to meet you through TEDx. Yes. And get to know who you are because I've enjoyed our relationship so much and I'm fascinated by the work and what's coming up for the future. When is the Red Rug Roundtable coming up, actually? So Red Rug Roundtable is Thursday, June the 22nd. It's at 5.30 to 8.30 at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Asheville. And if they go to TEDxAsheville.com, I would recommend they do two things. Your speaker should do two, your listeners should do two things. Um, sign up for the newsletter if they want to find out more about when things are happening, when we're actually opening for applications. And the second is that they can sign up I think there's a link there to our Simple Ticks link for our tickets that they can purchase a ticket for the Red Rug. Well, I'll be there. Good. I'm looking forward to Wonderful. it. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for joining me this today. This was lovely. Mary. Thank you.